and welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Sonny, and we, we talk about the issues of this world, whether it be politics, whether it be religion, whether it be sports, entertainment, whatever it might be, and we look at it through a biblical worldview with Sanctified Reason. And, and Dan, you know, there's been a lot of things going on uh, politically in, in, the, in the world since the last time we talked, and, you know, oftentimes when we have discussions, you know, outside of the podcast, you know, we like to talk about how things are going on in the world and kind of compare it to biblical times and the Bible and stuff like that, but it's always interesting because... People call themselves Christians, they call themselves churchgoers, they call themselves by these things, these labels, and the labels really, what they used to mean, I don't think they mean the same anymore. And so then you go into, uh, you have to kind of expound upon the labels or maybe get more finite. So, oh, you're Christian, okay, well, are you a uh, evangelical Christian or are you, you know, some other type of Christian? Um, maybe something that is, uh, I guess now, are you self-identified? Are you a uh, theological and so there's all these, you know, religions, all these labels, all these things that people are calling each other now, and um, it gets quite confusing. So what I like to do, and what I mean by confusing, it's like you don't really know what they understand. I mean, you got like a Lutheran church, and my mm-hmm. understanding of a Lutheran church is, you know, you basically kind of follow what Martin Luther kind of, you know, uh, subscribes to when it comes to biblical interpretation. If you're a Protestant <laughs> or a Calvinist, you might be, you know, more like John Calvin and his followings right. and teachings, you know. And so there used to be, you could kind of get an understanding of what people believed based on kind of their label, so to speak, what they, who they followed. Right. And mm-hmm. now you can't really do that anymore because, for example, a Lutheran church recently in San Francisco came out and ordained a transgendered uh, pastor for a church. Um, obviously other denominations, you know, have uh, gay or lesbian pastors and, right. you know, so again, you're starting to come up with people that are saying, I'm a Christian. But then as you start to find out more about them, you're starting to find out that they believe things that nece- aren't necessarily in the Bible. And in fact, really go right. against what the Bible says. Yes. And so, uh, that leads me to the topic, which is a, an article that, uh, the headline is most adults, U.S. Christians don't believe the Holy Spirit is real. And I sent this to you, and you replied back that it was kind of shocking. You know, I mean, it's, it's shocking to believe that this yes. is even possible. And then the first line of the article, which comes from the Christian Post, the first mm-hmm. line says, of an estimated 176 million adults in America, that's a lot of people, who identify as Christian, only 6% actually hold a biblical worldview which means that they're actually looking closely at interpreting the world we live in with biblical scripture and applying biblical scripture to how we should live our daily lives. And then it goes on, the article goes on and talks about how I think it was like up to 60% of people who identify as Christians do not believe the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, a part of the Trinity. They believe it's like just an image representing God or it's just, you know, maybe... Uh, manifestation of something else, but they don't really believe. Yeah, and here it is. 62% of self-identified born-again Christians contend that the Holy Spirit is not real. It is either a symbol of God's power, presence, and purity. Another 61% say that all religious faiths are of equal value. And 60% believe that if a person is good enough or does enough good things, they can earn their way into heaven. 
and all these things obviously right. go against the biblical worldview. So that's right. what I thought we could kind of touch on is, you know, Christians today in the church are believing things that yeah. aren't biblical. Yes. You know, you know, son, it's interesting as we think about that, uh, that, that survey, and it is definitely shocking. One thing I think we, um, we see in it, um, if, if, if they were basing that as it sounds like they were on maybe as many as 176 or 76 million, is that right? I mean, that's, that, that's how many people they're basing it on. Um, if, if that's the case then, or, or, you know, if they're saying that many self identify as Christian, um, what we want to keep in mind is that, you know, here in America, you know, for a lot of people, if, if, if they're going to put a check in the box and if the check is either going to be, you know, Christian or atheist or agnostic um, or, you know, uh, you know, Muslim or, or uh, you know, Jewish or Hindu, um, you know, there, there are tens of millions of people who are going to check the Christian box because they have, you know, some connection perhaps through their family or the the history in their family. Um, we we want to remember that a lot of people who will check that box, if indeed, I mean, because that, that number, I mean, that's like half the population of, of America. Um, so, so in some ways it wouldn't surprise me as much if 6% of half of the population of America didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. And, and the reason I say that is, um, you know, only the Lord knows how many people in America uh, are Christian. Um, you know, in the Bible, to be a Christian means that you're saved, you're justified, you're redeemed, you're forgiven, you're born again. So the spiritual birth happens when a person repents and believes the good news, and at that point, the Lord comes to live within you. The Holy Spirit takes up residence um, within your soul. And, and so, yes, it's shocking that there are so many people who would say they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, but at the same time, it would be interesting to know how many of those people who were surveyed, you know, merely checked the box, Christian, but they don't have the Holy Spirit residing within them because you, you really don't have to have much more than just a very, very uh, basic understanding of Christianity to know that God consists of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so for anyone, I would say, son, who's not even aware that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. God consists of three persons in one God. If they understood the question, which I'm assuming they, they probably did, and, 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 and if, you know, in their mind, you know, the Holy Spirit, maybe, maybe they associate that with just, you know, a charismatic or Pentecostal or speaking in tongues or who knows what they associate that with, um, uh, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit in the, in the New Testament um, did give gifts, you know, including speaking in tongues. But, but the greatest thing the Holy Spirit did in the New Testament was to bring people to faith in Christ. So, yeah, as we kind of get into this topic today, I think, um, 
you know, we, we, we want to distinguish in our thoughts, um, you know, how many of those 6%, you know, how many, so if, let's say it's 176 million, you know, so 6%. So maybe you've got what, something like 10 million people, maybe. So if 10 million people they're estimating believe the Holy Spirit is a real person um, of those they've surveyed, let's say, um, to me, that would be closer to what I would expect, although it would be hard for me to fathom, you know, very many people at all who truly are saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven, for, for very many of them to not even know that the Holy Spirit is a person, um, you have to have so little understanding at, at that point of the Christian faith that... Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying there aren't any believers who would um, not quite get that yet, you know, uh, somehow, maybe they just, you know, they, they, they came to faith in Christ. Maybe they were, you know, maybe they were um, listening to something on the Internet or on TV and somebody presented the gospel and they and they trusted Christ as Savior. And, and but they've had nobody to to teach them. You know, um, but but again, this is the last point I'll make for right now, and then we'll just see where where we want to go with this. But um, it really does boil down to ultimately, though, um, is a person born again or not? Just like, you know, is a baby alive or not? You know, I mean, there are a lot of babies who grow into toddlers who grow into young children and then, you know, even, you know, preteens who um, they're not instructed very well. And, and, and they maybe don't even know just the basics about what it means to behave because they've never been taught how to behave. And, and yet they're, they're alive. Um, you know, they're alive, but they, they certainly aren't, aren't behaving. So at the end of the day, I mean, each person is either spiritually alive or spiritually dead. And of those who are spiritual alive, and I don't just mean those who maybe check a box on a survey or, you know, indicate I'm a Christian, but of those who are spiritually alive through faith in Christ and God's living within them. Uh, and we, we, we often talk about what does that mean? What does that look like? What's the fruit of that? You know, all those things. I mean, you know, we could spend hours talking about all those and we have. But um, of those who are truly born again, you know, um, I, I doubt if there are too many, son, who really don't know who the Holy Spirit is. Because if, that, if that's true, then, boy, um, the ball has sure been dropped somewhere, you know, for a lot of these people. I mean, how, how could a Christian not know that the Holy Spirit, you know, you know, is, is, uh, is a true, uh, being along with the father and Jesus. So anyway, I'll just leave my, leave it there, but those are a couple of my initial thoughts on it. And, and I, but I do agree. I mean, those are very shocking survey results, no doubt. Well, see, you bring up a good point that takes this in another direction. If you think about it, okay, you can look at the statistical information and you can say, okay, of X amount of people, only a very small few believe the Holy Spirit is real. Others believe it's just a symbol or just, you know, it's it's a representation or whatever the case may be, but it's not, you know, a part of who Jesus is, okay? Not a part of who God is. It's just something outside. Okay. Yeah. And then you could look at it as like, how can you be a Christian and not believe that? Okay. But what you're saying right. is that... Okay, someone does truly become a Christian, like a Bible-believing yes. Christ follower. Let's just do away with the label, yes. but a Bible-believing yes. Christ yes. follower. Yes. And yet what they're being taught in the church, what they're being taught by maybe a spiritual mentor, what they're being taught by somebody other than um, themselves, let's say you know they're under the tutelage of a pastor or whatever, they're not being taught the theology that then represents some of these issues. Like, for example, they're not being taught that, the Holy Spirit is real. 
They're not being taught that the only way to heaven is John fourteen six, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. When it talks about all these other things that people represent here in these uh, kind of statistics of what they think the Bible is, you know, doing good works, right. you know, the Bible specifically says it's a gift of God, lest no man should boast, not by result of works, okay? And so, right. um, so then that might be a, a problem in and of itself is that the, the studying so you've got the church, which becomes problematic, but then also you have this, so it's two things, and I hope it's not confusing. You've got the church thing like you were talking about, okay, a young Christian now not being taught proper theology, proper Christian principles, but then two, yeah. a lackadaisical part on the new believer because they're not doing their part in reading the Bible and going into Scripture and studying and meditating on it either. So it's kind of like you've got two, a two, two roads going parallel with each other, causing somebody a new christian let's say to believe in something that is less than what the bible talks about well that's right son and, and um you know we, we, we've talked about you know also this whole issue of you know what happens when people you know either stop attending church i mean of course during covid we've had just a huge number of people who've stopped attending in person and now they're just watching online um but you know what happens when a person either stops, you know, being part of, of a Christian fellowship or, you know, they just even pull back from just feeding their own soul? Like you say, I just, you know, reading the Bible daily, regularly, um, you know, uh, watching and listening to messages online. You know, um, teaching is very important. Um, you know, our faith needs to be fed. Uh, you know, you know, think, for example, son, if like the thief on the cross who you know, Jesus told him, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise. So there's no question that he became born again, saved, justified, redeemed, and forgiven um, there on the cross. He said to the Lord, you know, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Um, now, I, I suppose somebody could try to make the argument that maybe he was a believer prior to that, and I wouldn't I wouldn't argue against that. But, I mean, at a minimum, he was a believer there before he died. I mean, that's, that is that is for sure. But where I'm going with that, son, is that, um, you know, now, that would the Bible have called him at that point a follower of Christ? Um, well, I would say yes, from the standpoint that um, the minute you become a Christian, Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior, even if, you know, it's like saying, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's an infant, a child in the family. Um, now, now you, you really can't say they're a, you know, are they a participating child in the family? Are they, you know, well, I mean, they're alive, they're in the family, but no, they haven't been fed enough or grown enough to really contribute a whole lot other than just their presence, which is all the family wants and enjoys and expects. I mean, that's all you expect out of an infant, you know? Um, and, and that's, you know, all you, um, you know, you, you, you don't have these higher expectations until they get older. Uh, so I, I think what we, what we're seeing though, with, with a lot of people, let's say in America, um, there, there are so many churches, of course, that aren't teaching the word. You know, they're into all sorts of other things, so they're not really building people up in the word. Now, there are plenty, thankfully, that are. Uh, you know, churches of all sizes, uh, plenty of churches that are, and there are churches of all sizes that aren't. So it really, it, it's really not about the size of the church. And like you mentioned, Son, it's not even about the label, because you can have a label that historically has been connected to historic Christianity and solid Bible teaching and a Christ-centered ministry. But then, like you say, you you open up your newspaper, you go online, and you read, what is this? You know, the first um, transgender bishop, uh, you know, in the mainline denomination, you know, in the ELCA out there. And, and you're like, wait a minute. 
Um, you know, how, how can that happen? And, you know, long before that, when they were, you know, ordaining, you know, people uh, in, in, uh, in, you know, same sex relationships where there's an intention to continue in that relationship. Um, you know, it's never been the intention of any Christian I've ever known, or certainly any loving Christian. It's never been to, to, to single out, you know, a particular sin, you know, in that case, homosexuality. But, but the minute a society, a culture, a so-called church begins to say with one sin, let's say it's, you know, um, gossip, or let's say it's adultery, or let's say it's homosexuality, let's say it's lying. You know, the minute a church says, as some of these mainline churches have done, the minute they say, well, no, here's this one thing, it's no longer a sin. Um, we're convinced it's no longer a sin. And as long as you only do it with one other person, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to say that that's okay. So, so this is what's happened in America, you know, and, and of course in other places in the world. So, um, uh, and then, and then, you know, ordaining people in same sex relationships, of course, has led now to ordaining transgender individuals. Um, and rather than counseling the transgender individual on just the basics of, you know, DNA and chromosomes and, and, and biology and, 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 and rather than counseling that person who has, uh, gender dysphoria, rather than counseling them on the truth, which is that, um, you know, changing your mind about your gender does not change your gender. You know, it just changes your mind. Um, you can manipulate your body through hormone therapy and through surgery, but that doesn't truly change your gender. But, but when you've caved on either adultery, lying, gossip, or homosexuality, any one or all of those, and in this case, it certainly is one of them. When you cave on that side, then you are in some just some real darkness as a as a quote unquote church. Um, I mean, you know, the Bible is very clear that everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So you can't promote lying and call yourself a Christian church. You can't promote adultery and call yourself a Christian church. You can't promote homosexual behavior and call yourself a Christian church. You can't promote gossip and call yourself a Christian church. So when that happens, as it is happening now, um, it's, it's very problematic and it's, it's very dangerous for the souls that are sitting underneath that teaching. So that's just one example. Um, but, um, you know, as we've said before, though, son, um, there's a far bigger problem in America with adultery and fornication than there is with homosexuality. Just statistically, you know, we're talking numbers here in the survey and how many people don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, so if, we're, if we were going to, you know, talk about, let's say, you know, sexual sin, that's the one sin that, you know, gets highlighted a lot. Um, well, there, there are far more people, you know, engaging in adultery and fornication than in homosexual uh, sin. So um, we, we have to be balanced balanced in that and, and, and make it clear that, that we're not saying that one is worse than the other or that somehow if a person is only committing adultery, let's say, or only committing fornication, then, well, that's not nearly as bad as committing homosexuality. Well, no. I mean, biblically, sin is sin. It's not what sin it is. Um, it's really what's, what's, the, what's the intent of the heart. And is there repentance or is there the attitude that it's my body? Um, kind of like with abortion, you know, it's my body. I can take the life of the child. It's my body. I can do whatever I want with it. It's my body. I don't care what the Bible says. And as long as I'm only doing it with one other person, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Well, um, that is not Christianity, you know? And, and so we need to lovingly, um, 
speak the truth to those situations to help. You know, the Bible says snatch others from the fire and save them. You know, it doesn't say, well, you know, uh, just tell people that whatever they do is okay. You know, uh, whatever they change their mind about, you know, they can, they can make it, you know, real. I mean, they can, they can change their gender. They can, you know, change their religion just by announcing, well, I'm a Christian or I'm this or I'm that. Um, so there's a lot more involved than just what we announce about ourselves. Uh, and you kind of touched on that side. I mean, it really goes to the heart and it goes to the change that Christ works within those who repent and believe the good news. Now, I've used this analogy before. When I was uh, producing a Christian talk show, the Frank Sontag Show, we read John fourteen six that says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Okay, that's what Jesus is saying. Then we ask the question to listeners to call in and answer. Based on John fourteen six, is there any other way to get to heaven? And people would call up and they would give us the spiel about they've been to church since before they were born. They've been baptized 800 times. They've gone to a thousand, you know, summer camps. They've done communion every single day, twice a day on Sundays. Um, you know, the whole thing, like basically, you know, saying, Hey, I'm super Christian, but then they will follow that up with, yes, there's other ways to get to heaven. In this survey. Now we see people not believing that the Holy spirit is the Holy spirit as we know it. And it's more of like a symbol perhaps of what, uh, you know, God is. And then we have people that think that, you know, again, the Bible says that you can't earn your way into heaven. And so uh, people believe that if you're a good enough person, you can get into heaven. If you um, do enough good things, you can get into heaven. So then my question is this, okay? If you're believing in things like, you know, ideas that aren't supported by the Bible, are you really a biblical Christian? Well, I'll tell you what, Son, that's an excellent question. And, and, and what I think we have to bring it back to is this. Um, we have to bring it back to um, either the individual who has some or maybe many unbiblical un- beliefs, either that individual is truly on the inside, saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven. And, and the way that that's known by God, for sure, um, the way that that's known is has their body become a temple of the Holy Spirit. So prior to spiritual conversion, uh, prior to a person being saved, the Holy Spirit is not dwelling on the inside. You know, the Bible talks about demon-possessed people, and Jesus and the apostles went around and drove out demons. Um, and, you know, today, I mean, there's still, I mean, there's situations where demons are driven out of people, okay? Um, well, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in the heart of a believer. So to answer your questions on, um, you know, it, it, I would say sometimes it's very difficult for us to know for sure, are we talking to a person or are we maybe listening to a person if they're presenting something, you know, online or on TV or in a, maybe an article or something, are we dealing with a person here who is just clueless on some things they're talking about, but they're nevertheless saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven, or are we dealing with an unbeliever? Um, and, and we can't always tell for sure, you know, um, again, I would compare it to maybe like a toddler. So let's say you go to the airport, you're getting ready for a flight and you've got a family with some young kids sitting across from you over here and a family with some young kids sitting across from you over here. And you watch the one family son and the kids are like, they're just so well behaved and they're so polite. 
and they're asking their parents if, you know, if they can, you know, maybe, you know, do this or do that or the parents and the parents, you know, it's obvious that there's been a lot of good training and, and, and there just seems to be a lot of love and, and this, it just seems like a very healthy, healthy family dynamic. And then you look over here, this other family. And the kids are running crazy and the parents aren't even paying any attention and they're letting them run wild and, and they're not even trying to bring any correction to it. And, and so you look at those two situations, Son, and, and you've got some young children who are being raised in a very good way, other young children who it appears aren't getting the kind of parental guidance that, that they need. Um, and I would compare that to uh, what can happen uh, with, with Christians. Um, you know, if a Christian gets good teaching and then of course it's feeding on the word and, and, you know, I mean, just involved in the basics of just Christian fellowship, you know, I mean, in the book of Acts, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. And I know it's very, um, popular in America, you know, for people to say, well, I can just do Christianity on my own. Well, unfortunately we don't find that in the scriptures, or maybe I should say, fortunately we don't. Um, it's always in the context of a church family. Um, and yes, that can get messy. That, what I mean by that is it's not perfect. And, you know, not everybody in a church family is somebody that maybe you're going to, you know, warm up to right away or whatever. But um, it is God's plan for his people to be in that community, um, to learn, to grow. And, and, and hey, fortunately, we're, we're blessed to be able to all as Christians choose which, which church we feel led to be a part of. And obviously it would have to be a church where we, you know, appreciate and, and, and believe in the teaching that, that's being given and, and just just that it's it's a grace oriented church and not a legalistic church and all these things. But but my point is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So they were committed to those things in the early church to help uh, to help uh, you know children grow. Now all four of our kids uh, are in their in their twenties, um, very similar situation to your own family, son. And and you know you know until I became a father. Um, I did not have as much of an appreciation for how long discipleship takes with people. Because here's the thing, son. Um, what I have found is that is that discipleship, much like raising kids, it doesn't take years. It takes decades. Um, it takes decades to raise your kids. I mean, one example, I know like for us um, – and, and there was an article I wrote, uh, 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 something about, you know, how to raise children, uh, to love Jesus. Um, well, we're very blessed, um, you know, but it took a lot of focused, you know, prayer and work. I know thousands of times I would lay my hand on, on the kid's head when they were growing up, uh, each one of them, you know, and pray the, uh, the ironic blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you, the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Um, so that's just one thing. Um, when our kid, you know, our kids today, son, um, they don't go to church because they have to. They go to church every Sunday because they were raised to understand that, I mean, we are all weak and prone to, to kind of stray from the Lord a bit. And that's just one way, one, one way they can help to keep us on track and, and, and bless our week. But I mean, I could give dozens of examples like that um, where there are things that you, that you do as a parent that take not years, but decades and, and a ton of love. And you're going to mess up as a parent. And just like Christians, we mess up and you're not going to get it all right. But if you're in it for the long haul, 
And, and if you and if you stick to the fundamentals, you know they always say that, you know, don't they? In sports and with, with winning teams and successful athletes, I mean, you have to stick to the fundamentals. And what I have found, son, is that I've been amazed over the years. Sometimes, I mean, just like with that survey, you'll be amazed. You know, you'll have somebody maybe who's who's attended church for years, and you'll be amazed at something you hear them say. Maybe now, many times it, it, it's it's for the good. Once in a while, you hear something. It's like, well, how? Where did they? Ever get that idea, you know, but what I'm saying is for the same is true in families because kids are the same way. We're the same way as parents. Um, but, but I think a lot of what we're seeing son with some of these surveys and some of this lack of, of just basic Christian understanding is that a lot of people have bought into this idea that they can be Lone Ranger Christians. And, um, and, and I'll tell you, son, I can't tell you how many situations I've seen in, in, in other settings. And, and it's, uh, thankfully not, you know, like in, you know, where, where the, the church that we're in now, but I've seen it over the years, over 30 years as a pastor. Um, I can't tell you how many times, you know, you'll have a situation where a family genuinely feels like having having their son or their daughter involved in weekend athletics and you go to all these tournaments and you're never around for, for worship. Now, not to say it would have to be on Sunday, but, but when the athletics become the priority over just even just basic, the basic worship practice of the New Testament, okay, um, you're not going to end up with the same result as you do with somebody who's raised differently than that. If, if, if kids are just allowed to pick and choose um, everything they want, um, rather than guided with love, guided with truth, but guided with a clear focus, uh, and the same is true with discipleship. And and so I think a lot of times if, if you have a, a disciple who has very little Bible knowledge, well, why? I mean, maybe they need to go to a different church. And, and first of all, they need to be sure they're, they're, they're attending church, you know, at least weekly. But then are they listening? Are they studying at home? Are they are they doing these other things to grow and feed themselves? Because apart from that, son, none of us are going to know anything. I was blessed uh, to be raised in a Christian home where, where we, you know, we went to church every Sunday. And, and I don't ever remember, son, a situation where I felt like, oh, man, we got to go to church. I'm feeling forced to go. And I mean, part of it was that we, we were blessed to be in a, a grace-oriented church. And what I mean by that is it wasn't legalistic, but it was Christ-centered, and 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 the Bible was taken very seriously. But um, you know, everybody's in a different place, and I would just have to think that a lot of these people who've answered on that survey um, that they don't believe in in the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, well, then you know, to me, son, that would be like starting with what we did with our kids when they were in infancy, or even before. I mean, because a lot of those folks wouldn't even be born again yet. But but I mean, and, and so here's what I would say. Um, is there hope for them to become strong disciples? Of course, but it's probably going to take a, you know, a couple of decades, you know, be, be, because they're going to have to get through that first decade and just realize that um, one of their biggest temptations, once they've really started to learn and grow is, is, is that temptation to start looking down on others. And, and, you know, as Oswald uh, Chambers uh, uh, says, you know, uh, about being just, uh, you know, critical of others, I think, son, uh, maybe 10 years into serious discipleship, Christians hit that. They hit that. And, and some don't get past it. And, and, and some of their friends and family members just think they're judgmental. Um, you know, I mean, and, and they're saved, okay? They're, they're, they've grown a lot in Christ. But um, 
you know, that's a hurdle that, that you don't get through in the first year or two. You know, you might face that. But, but, but then again, you've got other Christians that um, maybe because of their past and because of how far God brought them and how far down they were in their own sin, it's like it's a little bit easier for them not to become judgmental because they know where they were at. They know what they're capable of doing apart from Christ. So not every Christian, I would say, goes through that. But every situation is different. Every child is different. Every Christian journey is different. And and we want it quickly. We want it now, you know. And 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 I would say something as just basic as not even having the correct answer on, on a survey about the Holy Spirit. That that is something that could very well be pointing to um, just a lack of many things that have not happened over the last however old they are. But but there's hope for that to be turned around. But I don't know how that can happen apart from weekly worship in a strong spirit-filled Christ-centered church. But and then your daily uh, you know daily time in the Word and in prayer. I mean, there's all these things we don't have time to talk about. But it no wonder, son, so many people don't want to be disciples of you know it's not it's not for the faint of heart it, it, and especially in america where there's so many distractions so many material things things they can get in the way um that is a picture of christian discipleship and until you've raised a child through their let's say you know in, into their 20s whatever um you don't even know what what that takes um you know the first 10 years uh you know are key but you know it goes it goes beyond that of course so anyway um just to few thoughts and uh didn't mean to go quite so long with that but uh but yeah that's that's kind of how i how i look at some of those things now one of the things too that i want to talk about was you wrote an article that was actually entitled are you controlled by the holy spirit and it goes to talk about you know life as a christian a bible believing christian that you're filled with the holy spirit and there's only two choices in life you're either filled by the holy spirit or you're filled with your sinful nature and that's the only two choices well, if you don't, and I want to get into that article, but I want to preface it by saying this. If there's people who profess to be a Bible-believing Christian or a Christian, but they don't believe the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is real, and they don't believe that yeah. the Holy Spirit is something more than just a symbol of God's power and whatever else right. they view it as, then how can they right. be controlled by something that they don't believe no. in? Oh, no, that, that, that's right. So, no, well, you, you're, you're not going to be. Um, and, and so I would say, to use that example, if you have a person who's professing to be a Christian, and then they turn around and say, don't believe the Holy Spirit's a real person, well, then it would just be a matter of sitting down with them, showing them, you know, in the Bible, the, the clear teaching. Uh, and and, and what, I, what I have found is this, son, people who genuinely have the Holy Spirit living within them, um, they're going to be receptive to just basic Bible teaching, and then as they grow into, you know, more and more of the Bible. You know, it's kind of like what I've said on, on the issue of the doctrine of the Trinity, okay? Um, you've got some religious groups on that deny the doctrine of the Trinity, which isn't all that different from what, like, you're pointing out with this survey. I mean, basically denying the Holy Spirit, so it's, it's, they're almost the same thing. But but there are some denominations that, that basically deny the, the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, but, but the thing I've observed is this, son. I've, I've never met a person who um who denies the holy spirit uh who denies uh, who who denies the doctrine of the trinity if they truly have the Holy Spirit living within them. Um, I mean, it's amazing to me because it's not 
necessarily something logical that you would just come to. And that's why so many non-Christian groups reject it. You know, how can there be three, three persons in one God? It doesn't make sense. Okay. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem logical. Um, but, 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 but my point is the Holy, when we, when we get saved, uh, through faith in Christ. Um, I don't find that genuine Christian son struggle with that doctrine. So what, what I, what I mean by that is if I'm going to be talking to somebody and, and they're going to just flat out deny the doctrine of the Trinity, or they're just going to deny the person of the Holy spirit. Okay. And even after I give them the basic teaching of that, then to me, that's a very, very strong indicator that they don't have the Holy spirit living within them because, because if they did son, they're not going to be denying the very person who has brought them to faith in Christ. So, um, you know, what we don't know with that survey is how many people maybe answered that just kind of in a flippant way. And, and maybe they, I mean, you know, but I, again, I would say if they don't even have, if they don't even have the basic understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity, um, that we, we've got to start at the basics with people. And, and, and I don't think it's so much a matter of us knowing for a hundred percent certainty sign, is this person a Christian or aren't they? Um, I, I think it's enough for us to be able to say, well, we can certainly say they lack just the most basic Christian understanding of who God is. So let's go back to the gospel. Let's present the gospel. Let's see where they're at on that. Let's see if they're if they're you know, on board with the gospel that that they're that they're saved by God's grace, what Jesus did on the cross for them. That their works cannot save them, but there's and are they trusting in Christ alone? And then I would say, son, I've never run into a problem with with people who say that genuinely and. You know, you're talking with them or you have a class with them and, and they're believing that. And I've never run into anybody in that setting who's like, oh, but I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Um, nor have I had people come up to me and say, well, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. What I find is that it's people in these non-Christian cults and groups um, or it's these people who maybe check Christian. They check the box of Christian, but um, they, they, they in, in, in a lot of cases, aren't even saved yet. Or if they are saved and, and they would check the box of not believing the Holy Spirit's a real person then um, there again, we're not going to probably know for sure if uh, we, we may not be able to tell for sure if they're saved or not. But, you know, you talk to them, you, you offer them the truth. And, uh, and I would just simply say, son, anybody who rejects the doctrine of the Trinity, that God is three persons and one God, or anybody who rejects that the Holy Spirit's a real person, um, even after you're just sharing the truth with them, um, then to me, that's a strong, strong indication. You're not talking to a believer. You're not talking to somebody who has the Holy Spirit. In fact, you're talking to somebody who seems to be resisting the Holy Spirit, and you might be talking to somebody who's been given some very bad teaching on 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 who God is. So I don't think we should ever assume that just because, and I know you're not saying this, and I'm not saying this, but we should never assume that just because a person checks the box of Christian, I mean, the minute you deny the Holy Spirit as a person, um, that is a major red flag that you don't really seem to have even the most basic understanding of, of, of the Christian message. Now, if you do understand the gospel and you just haven't been, you know, um, you know, brought into to knowledge on that, then, then let's, let's, let's cover that. And that's not going to be hard to cover. And your receptivity to it, um, you know, is going to show whether or not, you know, in many ways, the Holy Spirit's living within you or not, because those who have the spirit within them, son, they do not reject this basic teaching of, of the nature of God and, and the, and the person of the Holy Spirit. And in those non 
uh, Christian cults where they're taught to reject the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've talked to some of those them folks about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, or the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, they don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to them because in, in most of those cases, the Holy Spirit's not yet living within them. So, um, you know, it's like it says in John, you know, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you um, uh, because that, that anointing uh, is, is, is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Um, and, and, what, and what it means is not that you shouldn't listen to Bible teaching, but it means God has imparted to you some knowledge, some, well, it, it's sanctified reason, you know, other the name of, of, of the podcast. God has imparted to you this understanding that you would not have on your own. And it, it, it's along with scripture. It ties in with the Bible. Of course, it flows from the Bible, but it, it, it's on a higher level than human reason. Uh, because the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them, Paul writes, because they are spiritually discerned. So so that's what I think what we're talking about, Son, in this discussion today about, you know, people who answer the survey a certain way. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about a lot of people who do not yet have the spirit, and that's why they don't have any discernment even about who the spirit is. So, Dan, a biblical worldview is based on the infallible word of God. When you believe that the Bible is entirely true, then you allow it to be the foundation for everything you say and do. So that's what kind of, to me, what a biblical worldview is. Everything you say and do is founded. You might not always follow because the Bible says sure. fall of sin. Nobody's perfect. So we might not always follow, but we believe right. no matter what I do, no matter what I say, my belief yeah. system will never change or doesn't change. So I might, I might do something wrong, but that doesn't mean that I think what I'm doing is correct, if that makes sense. So if right. I, if I, if I'm lying about somebody, that doesn't mean that I've changed my view on lying and saying lying's okay. Lying is still yeah. wrong, but I happen yeah. to engage in that activity. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I have a, a couple questions I want to ask you. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's simple. Yes or no, no trick questions. No, nothing. This was used on a survey. Right. And then I'll give yeah. you the results of what the survey, again, this was a, a Barna survey. And, okay. um, and so again, it's just, uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the Barna research group. So it's just yes or no, no trick questions. The first question okay. was, do absolute moral truths exist? Yes. Is absolute truth defined in the Bible? Yes. Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Yes. Is God all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe, and does he still rule it today? Yes. Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Yes. Is Satan real? Yes. Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Yes. And finally, is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? Yes. All right, according to the survey, Dan, congratulations. You are part of only 9% of people that believe this. Wow. Only nine percent only nine percent of the people they surveyed said yes to every mm -hmm. single thing. And to me I see. that's yeah. almost like a no brainer. But anyways, I just thought that was interesting because yeah. those are some of the basic yeah. fundamental questions that people right, are, are being right. asked in some of these Christian surveys. And yes. I mean something that should be yes to pretty much everything. Yeah. I mean, I can understand someone right. might get kind of a little bit more confused in some of the terminology, like what's absolute truth. You know, what do you mean by that? Or yeah, yeah. some other things, yeah, but yeah. you know, you kind of throw out some of that is Jesus. Did Jesus live a sinless life? Yes. The Bible says that if you don't believe that, well then maybe you need to, you know, check yourself. Uh, is saying, well, I'll tell you, Son, I've seen a startling statistic. I don't remember the exact number, but just a startling number of Americans 
do not believe Jesus lived a sinless life. And, you know, as I heard Ben Hayden, the Presbyterian minister years ago in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I heard him say, you know, if, uh, if, if Jesus did not live a sinless life, then he doesn't qualify, you know, to be our anyone's savior. He needs a savior, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that one right there, son, uh, it's amazing how many people, I mean, how could you believe in Jesus as your savior if you think he sinned? That, you know, that's just so contradictory, you know? So well, I like to think of it this way. Okay, let's say, you know, you're a, a, let's use baseball from Los Angeles, a lot of Dodger fans, okay? And let's say, well, yeah. let's say you're a Red Sox fan. Okay, pick your favorite team, a Husker fan, although um, right. there's uh, – well, okay, so the Huskers are playing Oklahoma coming up. Okay, another yes. big game. So you, you pick your favorite team. Okay, I'll just use baseball for an example because the rivalry has been pretty um, pretty violent as, as of times between the L.A. Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants for baseball. Okay, if I yes. say I'm a Dodger fan but I'm rooting for the Giants – or I'm rooting against the Dodgers, or I want to see someone on the Giants do better, or whatever the case right. may be, if my actions and my words do not support the fact that I'm a Dodger fan, people aren't going to right. believe that I'm a Dodger fan. If I say I'm a Dodger no. fan and I'm wearing somebody else's uh, jersey or hat, maybe a Giants hat or Giants jersey, people are going to think right. I'm a Giants fan even though I say I'm something else. So, yeah, you're a fair, fair weather fan, yeah. yeah. So we are known, our belief mm-hmm. system can be yes. known by our actions. Correct. And so for us, for us to be known, whether we are controlled by the Holy Spirit, as you write, or not, yes. comes down yes. to the fruit of the Spirit. And you have yes. love, joy, yes. peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So these are yes. some of the things that we can judge ourselves by and judge others by as to whether yes. or not they're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Well, that's right, Simon. And in Romans 8, Paul writes, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Which that goes back to what what I've been saying here today about how critical it is um, that 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 the spirit live in you, I mean, which happens if you're a believer. I mean, Paul in the very next sentence he says, "And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness." So there is a spiritual uh, work that God does within us when we are saved. And and then it's a matter of us, um, you know, looking to the Lord's strength to say no to those things that um, go against his will. And that's what, you know, Titus says, that the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And, and so that then becomes, I think, one of the biggest uh, goals for a Christian is to say no to the things that will um, interrupt the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Just as the Bible says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Uh, but you're exactly right, son, that, um, that yes, uh, those who... Um, who who are followers of Christ are controlled by the Holy Spirit, whereas, as Paul writes, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So, um, you know, the the just really what what is happening in the mind of an individual is is such a strong indicator 
of whether that person is connected to Christ or not. And, um, and, and then as Christians, of course, we know it's very important that, that we, we stay under the, the fountain of God's living water um, through the word, uh, you know, as we pray, as we seek to do the Lord's will. You know, one of those questions had to do is as we seek to lead others to Christ. Um, you know, we, we, we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You know, we can't just say, well, I'm saved now. You know, I'm going to go to heaven and now I'm going to do my own thing. Well, that's not Christian. Christianity. Um, you know, that's not Christianity at all. Um, and, uh, I had a, um, a text from somebody earlier this week from somebody uh, uh, at church, and they were in a dialogue with somebody online, and, and it had to do with the issue of, you know, uh, salvation and works and faith and all of that. And, and so I, uh, I sent him right away a link to an article I wrote years ago. I think the title was something like, um, salvation uh, without good works is an oxymoron. Uh, I mean, there is no such thing as being saved and then not doing good works. You know, people say, well, you're saved by your works or your faith. Well, no, you're saved by grace through faith. And uh, genuine faith will produce good works. Um, you know, Jesus said, you, you'll know them by their fruit. Uh, Martin Luther said, you know, you don't have to tell an apple tree to produce apples. A genuine apple tree will. I mean, unless the tree is dead. So that's what James is getting at. Not that the fruit makes you uh, a Christian, but it, it but it, but it's the result of, of having Christ live in you. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And, and what's, and what's just really a shame, son, is that in some of these cults and some of these non-Christian groups, um, you know, they have a lot of zealous people who are out there trying to produce a lot of their own fruit. But the, the, the problem is you can't work your way into heaven. You can't work your way into being converted. Um, you can only work after you've been converted. I mean, you can only work in a way that pleases God, but you can be busy. I mean, there, there are people in some of these groups, you know, they spend hours, at least some of their young people spend hours uh, going door to door, uh, but that won't save your soul. If you're not trusting in Christ as savior, I mean, my goodness, I mean, you could be mother Teresa over in Calcutta, and, and, and doing all of that noble work. But even if a person did that, son, but they were relying on the law for their salvation, relying on their works, um, they would be lost. Be, be, because if, if righteousness could be gained through the law, the Bible says Christ died for nothing. So we've got to bring people back to the gospel, make sure they get grounded in that. We've got to keep, you know, emphasizing the gospel, but, but also um, teaching the, the whole counsel of God and, and, you know, the, the, the productive Christian life will come from that. Um, just like uh, productive lives in, in young people will come with decades of, of the proper training. But, um, you know, let, let's say somebody, um, you know, has not been in their son or daughter's life for, you know, 17 years. And now they're going to come and try and have one year with them. I mean, they're going to be able to accomplish some things, but you're not going to have nearly the impact that you would have had if you just spent hours every day with your child, um, with, with the things that are necessary to train up a child in the way they should go. And, and so much of that is just, you know, spending time together, you know, loving one another, enjoying one another's company. I mean, what, what good is a relationship if you don't enjoy being together? But, but that, can, that can happen from day one. And there's no reason, son, that any parent ever has to lose the joy uh, of being with uh, their, their kids as 
they as they grow out of infancy. Um, and, and I think that's where a lot of people make a mistake. You know, they've been told by the world, well, you know, your kids aren't going to want to spend as much time with you. They're not going to want to do this or do that, you know. And I just think it's a shame. Uh, I mean, I know Tammy and I are so thankful for, for the for the wonderful relationship we have with all four of our kids in their 20s and, and how much great time we, we have with them to this day. And it's, it's never been a thing where, oh, well, you know, you know, they, they don't want to, you know, hang out with us. Or anything. It's just been the opposite of that. And they have a lot, you know, they have all their friends and these other things they do too. But I mean, um, but it takes decades. It's not something that can be accomplished in a year. Um, and the same is true with Christianity. You're not going to become a, a very productive disciple in a year. But after 10 years, after 20 years, you're going to be able to look back and say, well, wow, I grew here and I grew there. And I, I no longer think that way about that person. You know, I, I, I now pray for people when they do that. I don't have these attitudes, you know, but, but that takes decades. That takes decades. And so the, the fact that maybe somebody is saying they don't even believe the Holy Spirit is real, what that says to me is, well, um, okay, we, we got decades of work in front of us, but, um, you know, and, and when I say we, um, you're going to have to find a church that's going to be, be willing to invest that in you and you and them, and, and you're going to have to commit yourself to that kind of, of process of Christian discipleship like they did when they picked up and followed Jesus in the New Testament, because unless you're willing to, you know, unless you're willing to follow the Lord in his word and, and, and with a group of other Christians, um, it's been very, very difficult uh, to grow into, into spiritual maturity. It's just not probably going to happen um, in this Lone Ranger mindset we have here in America. You know, Dan, in your article, uh, Are You Controlled by a Holy Spirit, which can be found on the ChristianPost.com, uh, for those that might want to read it, you, you quote somebody by the name of J.I. Packer, and he says that the Holy Spirit's main ministry is not to give thrills, but to create in us a Christ-like character. Do you think that, you know, in the church in America today, I've been to churches that, according to the world standards, will be extremely boring, all hymns, mm-hmm. no contemporary music, but right. but the message of the gospel, the message, the growth, the yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, it was amazing. I've been to churches that are, like, amazing when it comes to the theology and the study and the coming together as a body of Christ and worshiping and stuff, but it's not yeah. by the world yeah. standards, you know, very, very glamorous or exciting. I've been to churches right. where it's like a rock concert and I'm like, why am I even here? I'm going home singing journey. Yeah. Don't stop believing. And I met nobody. Sure. And you know, my, my, right. my whole point is to get there before the donuts run out and try to get the last sip of coffee right. before I hit the back row and try to stay <laughs> right, awake. You right. know? So anyways, yeah. Do you think that, you know, that clip or, I mean, that, uh, that quote kind of says a lot to yeah. me because do you think that people, the church in America has gotten to the point where followers and people that sit in the pews are looking for the thrills and, and, you know, we know that the, our Christian faith isn't based on emotion. You know, it isn't based on all these other things. It's, it's based on a belief and a conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit convicts us when we're doing something wrong. It's that guilty mm-hmm. conscience in us. It's that thing that drives us to want to continue to seek more, read the Bible more, go to church more. You know, it's the thing that drives yeah. us to be Christ-like. Um, yeah. But do you think that we've gotten to the point in, this, in, the, uh, in the westernized church where the thrills have kind of outweighed, and if it's not a thrilling experience, that mountaintop experience, then we're just not going to really be a part of it, and we miss out on the Christ-like examples, studies, etc. Because, I mean, think about it. In the Bible, Jesus is, you know, basically what well, he's on the, the side of the Sea of Galilee, you know, talking. You know, he's just like, walking around and all of a sudden, oh, there's a crowd. Okay. So maybe I'll teach these people or, you know, he's sitting with his disciples and he's just talking to them. You know, there's nothing really glamorous 
about his ministry when it comes to what the world would think is glamorous. And in the church today, you know, it used to be where you had the hymns or the, the singing, and then you had the, the reading of the scripture. We all brought our Bibles, and then it was the, you know, the, the minister that was up there, the priest, the pastor was preaching, and we were following along. And now we've got the screen, and we don't bring our Bibles because it's up on the screen, so we can't really fact check, so to speak, what the, what the preacher's saying. Um, you know, the, the, the music guy, he's writing his own music and then hawking his CD at the bookstore, and we're singing his songs. And, you know, it becomes this thing that is like, and then people are like bored because, you know, oh, there's not enough drums, there's not enough light shows, there's not enough smoke. You know, and it becomes the thrill is gone, as B.B. King said. The thrill is gone, and so therefore church is boring, and I want no part of it. Yeah, you know, Son, what it makes me think of is something that D.L. Moody said one time when he was uh, visiting with someone, and this person told D.L. Moody that, you know, well, I, I don't go to church, there are too many hypocrites in the church. And, uh, and D.L. Moody responded by saying, well, you know, for every hypocrite in the church, I can show you a hundred hypocrites in the world. Um what I think about son in terms of, um, you know, people seeking thrills and that getting in the way of, of growing in Christ, I think there are definitely situations, uh, especially in some churches where they are more, um, they seem to be more about like entertainment and, and a lot of, you know, just excessive emotion and, and maybe, you know, people are just looking for, um, the, the, the next mountaintop experience rather than just the steady diet of the the word of God. So I, I, I do think that there are situations like that where, where people are seeking thrills rather than just the presence of the Holy Spirit through the, the faithful preaching and teaching of the word of God. But I would say this, Son, and it might be similar to D.L. Moody's quote about 100 hypocrites in the world for everyone in the church. For every one person who attends church seeking thrills, there might be 100 people, Son, seeking thrills on the weekend outside of church who are not in church at all because they're seeking thrills. They're, they're seeking what they perceive to be the kind of thrill that they need that weekend um, rather than the Word of God. Um, and, and, and because I think there are a lot of churches that are not into the excessive, uh, you know, stuff. Some of these mega churches and some others are in smaller ones too, um, and a lot of mega churches that aren't for that matter. But uh, so again, it's not about the size of the church. But, but, but I think maybe for every one person in the church who is not growing because they're seeking thrills rather than just having the Holy Spirit feed them to the word, you probably got a hundred people who are either at the lake or they're involved in with this athletic team. Or that's their commitment. Their commitment is to go out of town every weekend with a sports team, and they don't have a day of the week they get together with other Christians. I mean, I think those are the thrills in America that are keeping tens of millions of people from a life of discipleship. And I mean, obviously, you, you've got you've got situations in a lot of churches where, well, you know, you've got to, you know to go to that one guy's comment about the hypocrites. Okay, so you got somebody in church here and. You know, he's just judgmental or she's just gossiping or this or that. Okay, so they're at the hospital, they're sick, you know, and, and they need to be addressed. Those issues have to be addressed, you know, but but then you've got, you know, all these other people who aren't even there yet. It's kind of like with what was going on in Afghanistan. I mean, you had all those poor people outside the airport, um, all those people inside the airport uh, who, I mean, many who had needs and physical needs and, and, and many being stopped by the Taliban, not being allowed to get in. Many in other parts of Afghanistan, they, they only wish they could have somehow gotten to uh, the uh, the airport in uh, in Kabul you know in time but but I think in America um, 
maybe 99% of those who are seeking thrills are, are doing it um, for these other things because they, they've come to believe, Son, that they don't need, they don't need the Word of God. They don't need to, to feed their minds. Um, and, and granted, you, you, you do have some in, in our country, Son, who they've decided that they're just going to do that at home now. And, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not putting that down. I mean, some for, you know, COVID reasons, health reasons, other reasons, maybe they can't get out, you know, so I mean, I'm not no, trying to be critical of that. Um, I, I do think if at all possible, it's best if a person can can gather with other Christians. I think the Bible makes that clear that we're not to, you know, forsake the, the assembling together uh, with one another. But I think there are situations where, I mean, I'd far rather have somebody being fed, you know, on their computer for a message, a, a solid biblical message and reading their Bible every day. And I mean, hey, that's that's a big a big plus and a big need. So just to answer your question, I mean, I, 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 I wish there were more people that would fall into that category of just, you know, uh, seeking a thrill from the word of God, you know, but I think 99% of those folks, they're, they're, they're nowhere to be found near a church. Some of them had a bad experience with the church. Um, others have never, ever known a Christian, you know, and I think that's more the situation we're in here in America. Uh, but then you do have some situations where you got, you know, some of these churches that are just all about emotion and, and this, and that's where maybe I think, you know, J.I. Packer's uh, comment, it especially applies to those folks, I think. Dan Delzell, author at the uh, Christian Post of many articles, also a pastor at Redeemer Church in uh, Papillion, Nebraska. And Dan, as always, we appreciate your time and look forward to uh, more conversations as the weeks go by. Absolutely, son. This has been great once again, and thank you for all you do, and I sure look forward to our next visit. And if you'd like to find out more um, or hear more episodes, you can go to RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Click the Sanctified Reason uh, icon and uh, logo, and you can uh, listen to other shows from Sanctified Reason, other podcast episodes as well. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.